Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When it comes to us and our spiritual gifts and our service to the Lord, is there, is there an amount of money? Is there a, a level of prestige? Is there something for which if I could have that, I would abandon God. If, if I would abandon God for that right there. We, we want to get to a place, everybody here, where there would be nothing that we would hold in that high of esteem. That I'd abandon God, I'd abandon his service, I'd abandon for, for this thing right here. That there would be nothing here because nothing is greater to you than him. When Jesus is your everything, there's nothing that could ever substitute or rival the value he has in your heart. Our flesh is so easily lured into greed, lust, and coveting. Many of us find ourselves compromising our faith and values for momentary pleasures or gains. If you were offered even more, how quickly would you compromise? In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge us to examine our values. What is it that could tempt you away? Whatever it is, you need to surrender it to God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 23 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Balak said to Balaam, please come, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me um, from there. And once again, he's just not getting it. He said, well, I got another, let's go to another location and maybe God will curse them for it. Now I want you to, I, I was just breaking that down in my work, my Bible. It, maybe it'll please God that you may curse them for me. I want you to curse them for me. Do it for me from that place over here. I wrote down in my notes, Acts 8.20. If you guys remember, Simon, the sorcerer, thought he could buy the power of God. And um, as he started following with the disciples and he saw that when they laid hands, people received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And he said, man, I, I want that power. You know, he was a sorcerer where they did tricks. It was almost like magician stuff where you, you buy stuff. Hey, I mean, buy the secret to that trick right there. You know, show me how you do that thing. Or let me buy the, the right to that. And he came and Peter said, man, and Peter exposed him that he wasn't even right with God. He said, man, he said, your money perished with you. You thought you could buy I mean, you thought you could buy this. You can't buy this. And then he started talking about what was really going on in his heart. But it's just a reminder to me that people outside of Christ, outside of God, don't understand the thing. They, they may see that he has power, but they don't understand that it's not something that we can do what we want to do with. Not something for us to do whatever we want to do with it. We can't take God's power and wield it for our benefit, for our advantage. That's the, as we talk about the way of Balaam in a little bit, one of the ways of Balaam is just that, that he's got, he's got a, a supernatural ability to connect with God, to get a word from God, to be, to get the oracle of the Lord, the prophetic word and speak it forth. But he's not wanting to do the right thing with what God has put in his hands. He's wanting to, he's so hungry for money and accolades from people. He wants power that he's taking what he has and he's trying to see how can he leverage it to gain what he wants instead of using it to just do what God would want him to do with it. And so we, we want to be cautious about the way of Balaam that everybody here has got gifts and abilities and talents and things that we, we, we've been, we possess because God's given them to us. Maybe it's insight. Maybe it's knowledge of things. Uh, we've all been given certain things that God's have given you this stuff. Make sure that we're not using whatever it is that we have, leveraging it to, to just 
do our own thing. But God, how do I use everything that I am and everything that I have to glorify you? That's the, the, the goal in the heart of every Christian, every believer. God, how do I take all that I am and all that I have and everything that you've given me, how do I give it back to you in a way that glorifies you and ministers to others? Verse 28 now, so Balak took Balaam to the top of Peror that overlooks the wasteland. Then Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and he offered a bull and a ram on every altar. Once again, as I read this, I realize Balaam is still trying to figure out how to make this work out. How, how, can, how, can, we, how can I get this money that he's offered me? Um, and I just want you to think about this. You know, is, is there a certain amount of money for which you would compromise your walk with the Lord, for which you would just you just go opposite of what God is there, is there? Is there an amount of money that someone said, you know what, for this much money, would you just curse God? Would you just blaspheme his name? Would you just go the other way? Now, there are people that do wrong stuff for free, just to gratify their flesh. But is there an amount of money? And two of the, one of the commentators I read and one of the people I listened to on this particular message, they gave the same analogy. Uh, they said there was, it was a, it was just given as an illustration. They said there was a woman and she was approached by a man and asked, would you go to bed with me? Basically spend the night with me for a million dollars. And she thought on it for a while and she said, for a mil- yeah, for a million dollars, I would. And then he asked, he followed up and said, okay, would you, would you go to bed with me for $50? And she said, well, I'm not, you think I get treated, I'm not a whore? And that was her response. And he says, no, we, we've already, we've already, we've already established that that's what you are. We're just haggling over the price. That's, and it was a harsh thing, but he said, no, we already established that you will. Now we're just going for, if you do it for a million dollars that you're, you're for, you're for purchase. Now we're just figuring out for how much you do it for. And so when it comes to us and our spiritual gifts and our service to the Lord? Is there, is there an amount of money? Is there a, a level of prestige? Is there something for which if I could have that, I would abandon God. If, if I would abandon God for that right there. We, we want to get to a place, everybody here, where there would be nothing that we would hold in that high of esteem. That I'd abandon God. I'd abandon his service. I'd abandon for, for this thing right here. That there would be nothing here because nothing is greater to you than him. Nothing is greater to you than the, 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 the reality that you have a relationship with him, that you know him and are known by him, that nothing, no thing should ever rival the Lord uh, in our hearts and our lives. And so um, that's what Balaam is dealing with here is that there's a there's an amount of money. There's a there's a there's an amount of prestige there. There's some things for which Balaam would say, man, you know what, for those things right there, I'll, I'm trying to figure out how I can do it. I mean, if God would have let me, I'd have done it already, you know, but God just won't let me. Only thing stopping Balaam is God. He can't curse him. And he's trying to figure it out. How can we get this done? We're going to continue. Look at verse 24, chapter 24, verse 1. It says, now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, note this, he did not go as at other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness. So if we... We're unsure of whether or not he was trying to use sorcery before. It tells us here that he was. And note, it says, now that he realized that it pleased God to bless Israel, he said, I'm going to just not go. Uh, not I'm going to go and let the Lord bless him. But he says, I'm just going to not go. Like, I'm not interested in what God wants. I'm not interested in God using me to bless these people. 
And so he said, I won't go up. Verse two, Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. And the spirit of God came upon him. Again, this, this puzzles me. He wasn't praying. He wasn't worshiping. He wasn't reading the word. He wasn't even in a holy state of mind. And God said, I'm going to put my spirit upon him. I'm going to make him bless him again. And the spirit of God came upon him. Verse three. Then he took up the oracle again and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. So he's blessing them again. Your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the water. So he's describing the vastness and the beauty of their possession, what they're going to have. Verse seven, he shall pour water from his buckets and the seed shall be in, in his seed shall be in many waters. It's going to be fruitful. His king shall be higher than Agag. So he's saying that his king, God, is going to be higher than these earthly kings. Agag is uh, one of the earthly kings and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has, uh, God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with, with his arrows. His, he bows down. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse him, uh, who's going to bother him. Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. And now almost in the, in the blessing, there's a warning. The blesses he who blesses you and prophet that you, I mean, Balaam is having to say these words, blesses he who blesses you, but curses he who curses you. So the thing that you want to do, you have it upon you. Curse is a person that curses my people is what God is saying. Um, and he makes him prophesy. He makes him speak it. Blows. I mean, I'm, I'm reading this, this thing. Well, God put a word in his mouth that should be a warning to him about the thing that he's trying to do for some bucks. Verse 10. Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies. And look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now, therefore, flee to your place. Note this. Pay, I want you to hear this real good. Flee to your place. I said I would greatly honor you, but listen to what he says. But in fact, the Lord has kept you from honor. And these are the words of the enemy. The enemy says, you know what? I was, he said, man, I was going to bless you, man. I was going to honor you. You were going to be rich. You were going to be important. I, was gonna, I mean, we were going to do it up for you, man. I told you, I mean, we were, we were going to go all out for you. But you know what? The Lord has kept you from blessing. God has kept you from honor. And I believe that's a lie that people in the world hear many times. And, and it may be in your own head, maybe feeling like, man, I've gone the Lord's way and other people seem to have achieved things or attained things. And I've been going the Lord's way and maybe it has kept me from, maybe I would be a more distinguished person. Maybe I would have some more things and some more stuff had I just done it my way, had I just pursued my own thing. But I've gone the way of the Lord and Enemy is telling him here, you know what? God has kept you from honor. Know that it's a lie from the enemy. Anything God keeps me from, 
I don't want it. Right? If there are things that God has said, I'm keeping you from that. That's not what I have for you. We want to be good at receiving that. God, I only want what you have for me. I only want it the way you want to give it to me too. Um, God doesn't want to, you know, if there's something God wants to give me, I don't have to violate his commands, his word, or my conscience in order to achieve it. And if there's something God has for me, I can have it as I walk with him. And, and, and that's, that's how I'll get whatever he has for me. But this is something that the enemy will tell many people. Some people never get going in the Lord because the enemy has told them this lie up front. You know what? God's going God's just keeping you from stuff, keeping you from fun, keeping you from enjoying your life. You're going a lot of, for young people. God's keeping you from enjoying your youth, man. You know, you got to enjoy your time. You, when you get old, you just serve God. That's the biggest lie out there. Because as you're young and you get patterned to live in disobedience, you don't get old and break out of that. You, you get stuck in that rut that you got stuck in when you were young, thinking that you would do it when you're old. And so it's one of the lies that we tell. Somehow there's something we're missing out. If you guys remember the story of the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, were, Eve was there with the enemy. And Satan said to her, did God indeed say that you can't eat of every tree of the garden? And if you can hear the, the intonations and the tone and what he was saying, because God had in fact said they could eat of every tree of the garden except for this one. And Satan is suggesting to Eve that that's messed up. Did God say you couldn't eat of all the trees? That's so unfair of God. That's a, and, then he, and then he goes a step further and says, you know what God knows? In the day you eat it, you'll be just like him, knowing good and evil. He's keeping something from you, Eve. God's keeping some good thing from you. Consider this. Imagine being like Eve in the Garden of Eden. She didn't know good and evil. What did Eve know of the two? All she knew was good. That's all she knew. She was in paradise with her husband, where everything was beautiful. God walked by in the cool of the day. God would interact with them, engage. I mean, life could not have been any better than it was at that moment. And Satan convinced her, God's keeping something from you. And if you just violate this command, you can have it. And she got it. She got the knowledge of good and evil. She got the curse and all the other stuff that came along with it. <laughs> Ladies, you know, I mean, pain and childbirth, you know, all the discipline and punishment of disobeying the Lord. She got all that. But what she had was better beforehand. But that's what the enemy does, lies, and gets people to believe that nah, there's something better. There's something God's keeping from you. Believe. This is why we need to believe that God is good. And that anything he has for me is for me and whatever he doesn't have for me is not for me. We have to believe at our core that God is good. And since I believe that God is good, if God has said that that's not for me, then in his goodness, that's not for me. I don't want it. Um, but I only believe if, if I don't believe that God is truly good, I might start believing those lies. I think God is keeping some. I think I think that is good. And God's keeping it from me. What that says is I think God is not good, that he's evil. Or they're keeping stuff from us. And so be careful that these are common lies. The Bible says the enemy, he don't have no new tricks, but he'd be working them old ones because they work. So be careful that you're not out there believing these lies as you go about life, believing that so you, somehow you're missing out as you go God's way. You ain't missing out on nothing. Missing out on some heartache, missing out on some, some pain and some unnecessary drama in your life, maybe. But you're not missing out on anything good going God's way. And so... I want, I want you to write down three verses, um, and I want to close with these things. Write them down, and I'm going to go over each one. Write down 2 Peter 2, verse 15 and 16. 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. Write down Jude 11, and write down Revelation 2, 14. So 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. 
Jude 11 and Revelation 2.14. And I want to walk through these real quick. Um, these are a few of the references in the New Testament that give us a little bit of insight into Balaam and the way of Balaam, what he was doing wrong. And we, we see most of it pretty clearly. Second Peter 2, 15 and 16 says this. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, Restrain the madness of the prophet. And so the first thing or the issue of the way of Balaam, he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was he was willing to live unrighteously for wages, for money. He loved it. He wanted it. He was trying to figure out. I mean, look how hard he went. Look how many hills he went up on with Balaam trying to see if maybe he could curse him from this angle or curse him from that place or curse him from here. And we know that later on, um, Balaam figured out a way. Um, anybody know what he figured out? Anybody know how Balaam finally got this, this wicked scheme? How did Israel finally get cursed? We're going to see it as we keep going. Does anybody know that? Anybody know what he did? You want to tell me? Okay, okay. They, they brought the curse upon themselves. Very good. That was, you, you awesome. Okay, so go to Jude, the second to last book of your Bible. Go to Jude 11. Jude 11. Only one chapter in Jude, so just Jude, verse 11. And it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain and have run greedily in the error, into, in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in rebellion, in the rebellion of Korah. Uh, Korah. So this group, they went in the way of Cain, uh, murder, and they also have run greedily in the way of Balaam. And so another angle on the way of Balaam is that there's greed. He's greedy. He did what he did for money. Um, it was for the love of money, for the desire for stuff. So I'm pointing these things out that we wouldn't go the way of Balaam. So if you find that you're a person here that loves money and stuff and you struggle with that, you struggle with maybe wanting stuff and things so bad, if you want money or things so bad that you've compromised in the past to get more of it, um, just let this be a warning that you would never do that, that you would never compromise or sin to attain money or stuff. Um, all the money and all the stuff that God has for you and me, we can attain it as we walk in uprightness and in holiness and in integrity. We don't have to sin. We don't have to be deceptive or any of that to attain what God has for us. So that's the way of Balaam that we don't want to go now. Turn to Revelation 2.14. And uh, this is in the midst of God, you know, ministering to the, the seven churches. In chapter 2, verse 14, in uh, part of a rebuke, it says, But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit sexual immorality. So what we're going to see as we continue through numbers is what couldn't be accomplished in getting Balaam to curse the people because God wouldn't allow it. Uh, the people end up bringing a curse upon themselves by allowing in, it looks like a mixture of Moabite and Midianite, but pagan women come in and begin to entice the men and the men take them into their tents and they fornicate with them. 
these women come with their foreign gods. And so after they're already committing sexual sin, then they end up going a step further and the girls are saying, hey, I want to worship my God and I wanna, they want to alter to their God. And now they're in idol worship and God looks down and says, no, no. And God had this, the people die and a, a large number of people die as a result of this. And it's believed that Balaam, it says Balaam put that stumbling block. It's believed that Balaam suggested this to Balak. You know what? Can't curse him, but we can get them. God won't be favorable if they do this and brought these women in and they went out. And so, again, as I look at this here, I'm thinking, think, just think about this. Think about a person that would say, I'm going to put a stumbling block in front of other people so that they won't be good with God. Think about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to intentionally stumble somebody else. I don't, I don't think I'm looking in the eyes of anybody here that's that, that dark. But if it is, that's the way of Balaam, right? I'm, I'm intentionally going to put a stumbling block in front of somebody. What the Bible tells us in the New Testament is because we, I don't think most of us Christians would intentionally, I'm going to put this here so you fall. Got you. I don't think we would do that. But the Bible says that we need to be careful that we're not unintentionally stumbling other people. Um, most of us would not intentionally. I mean, I'm, I'm right now, I'm, I'm, you know, we wouldn't be in a place of heart to say, I, I want to make you fall. But if we're insensitive to those around us and how we're living in front of other people, we, in the same effect, I could be stumbling people because I'm not being sensitive to what they see and how I speak or what I do. And so, again, the way of Balaam, and I will point this out. So, that be the case. The people fail, they sin, and you can just write down Numbers 31.7 because shortly after they finally fall and Israel gets cursed because of their sin, um, and if, if that worked out and Balaam got money for it or whatever, he died shortly after. He ain't get to live long and enjoy any, any whatever prestige or honor, whatever was, was driving him to go that way, right shortly after it happens. Numbers 31 verse uh, 7 and 8, he dies. And interesting, he dies with, Balak dies and he's right there with him. He dies there in the same sentence, died together. And so I look at that as a warning too, that, um, you know, if you're going to pursue that and press in against the word of God, because I mean, God was speaking, not just through him, not just to him, but through him, God was speaking. And if you're going to violate and go against the word, you want it that bad, go get it and then die with it. And he died with it. And that was that. As we come back to, uh, Numbers, and I just will close with this. On the encouraging side, I'm reminded that the enemy has no power over the children of God. No sorcery, no no curse gonna gonna prevail against us. I'm reminded that I mean God's perspective of them, though I'm reading my Bible and seeing that they fall short and blow it over and over again. God says, No, there's no no iniquity in them, that they're just covered and um, that we can be reminded that God is so merciful and gracious towards us, his kids. Um, and then on the warning side, that we be cautious about the way of Balaam. Be cautious about the love of money. Be cautious about your level of greed or desire for stuff and things. Um, that there's not a passion for stuff and things that's greater than your passion for God. And that there's no place where you would compromise your walk with God to attain stuff or things or status that we wouldn't compromise God at any place or in any way for some temporary stuff. And so remember this, that we're living for eternity. Balaam looked like he was living for here and now and he died with some here and now. We're living for all eternity. 
And so we're going to live for eternity the way God would have us to. We got to live it out with great integrity. Amen. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.